Will. Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am joined once again by my co-host. co-host. What's, that, what's that word? The Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I've been better, man. Uh, it's good to be back, you know, uh, after spending uh, about a week and a half or so in sunny Cancun, Mexico with the wife for our anniversary. Um, you know, I, I did the one I will say one of the things I missed while I was gone was having my uh, moment to uh, hang out with you on Monday or Tuesday evening and, and vent my frustrations about this White Sox ball club. But, uh, uh, you know, before we get into anything tonight, I just want to give a huge shout out to our, uh, our friend of the show. Triple A Jeff Cohen for uh, stepping in and uh, putting together a nice show with you uh, while I was out. So uh, thanks to him for that. Yeah, it was always interesting. Yeah, always interesting stuff coming from him. It's nice to get somebody who is uh, as close as he is to the minor league system uh, on the show and and have a chat. So I think you guys did a wonderful job. Uh, and thanks again. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing all right, man. You know, like I said, the wife and I were. Uh, in Cancun, Mexico, and uh, we got back late last week and almost immediately got hit in the face with a ton of bricks that is COVID. So, you know, good end to, uh, uh, well, I should say a pretty crappy end to a great vacation. But, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm on the mend. So I apologize if I sound a little stuffy or, you know, have a cough or two here and there throughout the show tonight. But uh, we're, uh, we're we're on the backside of this thing now and getting better. So. Anywho, man, how you doing? How was uh, how was your time while I was away? You know, it was pretty good. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, I got to hang out with uh, with Jeff, and that was that was a good time. Um, not really a whole lot of uh, you know positive to say from uh, the White Sox, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, everything was pretty chill. You know, summer's wind, you know, obviously winding down, and uh, you know. Not really anything crazy going on. No, no fall baseball for the most part. You know, my kids got practices for his team. Um, that's pretty much about it. A couple of shows here and there. That's all. Yeah, but I mean, you know, things were things were good. You know, uh, minor league season just wrapped up on Sunday, so um, that was you know that was nice to a point. You know, I'm gonna miss it. Um, but I only get to really miss it for a little bit because the uh, Arizona Fall League kicks off here in a couple couple days. So yeah, we get about nice. a week break. So, uh, you know, I actually wanted to ask you how you felt about that because uh, as bad as things have been on the south side, you know, and we'll get into more of that as the show goes on. But you know, especially now we're we're going to be missing Lewis Robert. One of the the few bright spots that we've had to to watch throughout the season, he's going to be shut down for the rest of the, the you know the remainder of the season here. Uh, this next week uh, of not having any minor league games, you know, of all people have been saying it for for the better part of this year. As if it wasn't for the minor leagues, you you really wouldn't have anything to kind of keep you going on the baseball front. So I'm, I, I need to check in on your, on your mental health right now. Like how are you holding up with, uh, with no minor league games this week? You know, 
Um, it, it's nice to have a little bit of a break, and the the fact that it's not really that long of a break is is nice with the with the fall league and the the other awesome. I mean, we'll talk about this later when we get into the uh, the AFL roster. But I mean, there's going to be eight guys from the White Sox there, so pretty yeah, much you know any of the games that are streamed, no matter what, <clears throat> I'm going to see you know at least a couple of the the White Sox prospects playing. You know whether it be. Uh, one of the relief pitchers, one of the starters, or one of the, you know, we got two infielders and an outfielder. Um, so, I mean, regardless of, you know, I don't know exactly. I haven't I haven't looked at the streaming schedule yet for, uh, for the Fall League, but um, there's going to be a, a pretty decent amount of uh, Desert Dogs games uh, streamed. So, I mean, there will be, there will be stuff. Um just not, you know, as frequent, obviously, as, as the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, just like the parent club, you know, other than individual successes, you know, we'll get into this later when we do the minor league wrap-up, but, I mean, you know, there, I mean, realistically, there wasn't really a a, a ton of winning going on down there either. And, uh you know, we'll we'll get into that as as we go along. Yeah. Um, as we stand right now, the White Sox are sixty and ninety six. Peace. Woof. Uh, and they are losing Quickly twelve creep. to four right now. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be sixty and ninety seven. Um, I I'll ask you just to be polite. Uh, but uh, what are the odds that the White Sox do not lose a hundred games? Uh slim to none. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, we look at the last like, I don't know what is it, six series now with the White Sox. What have they won like three games for four games or something? I don't know. Nah, they they did yeah. they did win a couple yeah, last week, right? To, so yeah, they managed to to so. win a series uh, shockingly. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, generally, I mean, we, I guess we could go back to the beginning of the season that, you know, it's been pretty ugly all the way around, but the last few weeks feel like it's even been uglier. I <laughs> should, you know, it, it has not been, uh, enjoyable all year and it seems to have only gotten worse as the season's gone on, which I guess is to be, exp- it's to be expected when you, you know, you trade away. The, any piece that was worth any kind of value uh, at the deadline. So, um, you know, fortunately for us, the prediction that, you know, maybe the White Sox go on some kind of second half tear after the deadline and blow some draft position. Uh, fortunately for us, that prediction did not come true. Not um, an issue. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, my only hope now is that because of this uh, tank job, that uh, you know, we do get uh, we do get some value with those uh, those early draft picks, and you know maybe you know Mike Shirley and company can pull a rabbit out of their hat and uh, you know get us something to be happy about here, as they have done the last uh, two drafts or so. Uh, you know, I just need something to look forward to, man. But uh, I guess that's a long that's, way to answer that's your about, question. That's about all that you'll have to to uh, look forward to is that they're going to have more than likely a top five pick. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much about it. I mean, I haven't looked at the, uh, at the, the tankathon website. Um, 
but last I heard they were fourth worst record in baseball. And I mean, they haven't won. Uh, let me see here. Tankathon 2024. Let's take a look. See here right now. Yeah. They, right now they are fourth, uh, worst. And I do not see them catching the Rockies for third. Uh, cause they've got, uh, their three games, uh, better, record yeah. than the Rockies, so I don't see them catching them, but you never, I mean, you know, if the Rockies uh, do something in the last, you know, in the last six games, I mean, it's possible, but I... I find that unlikely, but... Yeah, exactly. I, I find it very unlikely, so, you know, you just hope for a top five pick, and uh, hopefully, you know, we do well in the lottery and don't uh, end up, you know, dropping back to, like... 10th you know, or like 11th the, exactly you know i mean that would be like such a white doc white Sox thing to happen but i uh, mean why not <laughs> at this point um but uh yeah right now i think they are uh i'll look at that i'll look it up real quick here i think they are 23 and a half games back if i remember correctly is that all God, I feel like that's where we were two weeks ago when I was here. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like they didn't do. They uh, did win a couple of games here and there, I guess. But yeah, they did. I wish they wouldn't have, um, because there's really no reason for it. But um, well, it, it's the same thing though. Is if you look at those draft lottery odds, the top three teams, I believe, all have the same percentages. So being the fourth team only drops you into the second tier. Uh, percentages and, and number of balls in that uh, in that lottery bin, if you will. So, uh, you know, I, I, their odds of, of, of picking high are still fairly decent. Uh, but like you say, you know, it would be the White Soxiest of White Sox things, especially during this 2023 season, that they would come out dead last in that lottery and drop you know, about a third of the way down the draft board. Come, you know, so I, I, I expect nothing less at this point to yeah. be completely honest. With no, you. yeah. I, um, so the Royals already lost tonight. Um, they, they were on a six game win streak, uh, up until tonight and they lost six to three to Minnesota, but they were on a six game win streak and they were starting to catch up to the White Sox. And that would have been funny. Um, but, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to, uh, that's going to come to pass because uh, they've got five. I believe they've got five games left as do the White Sox. So even if the White Sox lose out and they win out, the White Sox still going to finish with a better record than them. Um, yeah. So uh, as you had mentioned uh, when we started up here, um, Luis Robert out for the rest of the season with a sprained MCL. So he will not eclipse that 40 home run mark. He'll finish with 38 home runs, uh, 80 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases. He uh, slashed 264, 315 um, with an 857 OPS. Not bad. I'll take that. No, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see a full season out of him. And uh, the potential that we hoped there had mostly been realized. So, you know... Aside from some mental lapses in the outfield, uh, you know, like I mentioned, it, it, he was the lone 
bright spot that I shouldn't say he was the lone bright spot, but he was the lone consistent, you know, nightly watch kind of player that we had to, to look at. You know, it, there wasn't, you know, there were other guys that did some things, you know, with the ball club this year, but there was only one guy that you could expect to do those kinds of things on a nightly basis. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's not going to get that 40 home run mark because it felt like it was coming. You know, after he hit that bit, the, the bomb, what was it, uh, two nights ago? Yeah. Uh, you just, I thought to myself, finally, we're going to have, we're going to have a 40 home run guy back on this, on this roster. And it didn't happen. And I know it's just numbers. You know, it's, it's just, especially now I mean, it's like garbage time numbers for him, but, uh, Either way, you know, it was just one more thing I was hoping to kind of hang my hat on for this season because there wasn't much else. No, that's for sure. Um, the one good thing um, about, you know, that that's happened, you know, at least uh, a little bit is that uh, Eloy, you know, hit one out tonight. And he's, you know, he's had a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, power kind of creep back into his game uh you know every once in a while here um he's i think he's at uh 18 home runs after the one he hit tonight so nothing you know too crazy um you know but it's far short of what everybody expected out of him and he's been hitting uh if i remember correctly i haven't seen i saw on a tweet somewhere last week that his ground ball percentage is up, which, you know, if you've been watching the games, you probably noticed that he's been hitting a lot more ground balls this year. And, um, obviously that, that, that's kind of, uh, you know, wreaked havoc on his power numbers, you know, doubles galore instead of, uh, going into the seats, which is unfortunate, but, um, you know, uh, as far as the White Sox go, uh, the the actual baseball team anyway. Um, do you have anything else to talk about as far as the White Sox go? Uh, you know, not really. Um, all I can say is, uh, you know, I chose the hat that I'm wearing tonight. It says, if you can't see it, uh, it says freedom. Yeah, freedom in six days, my friend. Freedom in six that's days. Bas- it's basically what I'm looking at here is, uh, you know, the season's going to come to an end uh, right as we are uh, rolling into our next show. And uh, freedom from the 2023 season, at least for, you know, as far as regular season baseball goes, uh, is is nearing. And uh, there is something almost uh, relieving about that. Now, as we get into the offseason, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if our sorrows lighten some. You know, uh, we still have a lot of question marks surrounding Chris Getz and the new hires, which we'll get into a little bit. But uh you know, the, the, the other the other side of that coin is is there's almost a renewed sense of hope for me as well too because even though these hires came, well, Chris Getz himself came from within the organization, and we we spoke a lot about you know the process uh, of that whole thing and or lack thereof. <laughs> um, it, you kind of hope that just a new voice and a new. Uh, mindset a new brain something changes whether that happens remains to be seen but i have hope yep. <laughs> it's all i have yeah so i want how do you m- feel about all this man uh so yeah i wanted to move into the uh the chris gets hires here and um 
just kind of wanted to pick your brain on some of this stuff. Um, okay. Hopefully I can uh, come up with something. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of, um, you know, I know that uh, we're, you know we've we've seen the 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 hires here and uh we'll get into the individual ones here in a moment um but like kind of the, the weird thing about it is is that right now and i you know i we i i kind of imagine that we have to wait until the season's over completely and until we get into the off season here to see what chris gets actually does um but i'm just kind of curious because You've got guys that are taking up positions that weren't there before or taking up positions that were already there. Um, and I'll start with uh, Josh Barfield, um, who, is, who was hired away from the Diamondbacks. He was the uh, director of player development for the Diamondbacks. And, uh, you know, as you see, the young guys with the Diamondbacks, uh, they, they brought up uh, a ton of guys here in the last roughly calendar year or, you know, like a little bit over a calendar year. Um, and the, the kids, you know, to steal from the White Sox, uh, the kids can play, you know. Um, right. Th- there's some good players that they brought up. And uh, I'm pretty sure – not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that Corbin Carroll probably going to end up uh, grabbing Rookie of the Year. Um, That's a fair assessment. Yeah, and, you know, and, like, they've just got a, a bunch of young talent. Um, but he's hired as the assistant general manager. The previous assistant general manager, Jeremy Haber, is still with the White Sox. This is what I'm talking about when I when I ask about like these these murky kind of things that go. And it always seems to be with the like only with the White Sox, you know. Right. When somebody right. else in another organization gets hired. The person that had that position before is gone, but with the White Sox, Jeremy Haber's still here, and we right. have another assistant GM. So how what, are we going to have? Uh, you know. More assistant GMs because they say yeah, that there's probably more the people. Yeah, exactly. They say that more people are going to get hired, and the, there's rumors, you know, kind of, you know, uh, at a low rumble that some of some more of them are going to be from the Royals, which I don't understand why you would want that. Um, but uh, do you think Haber's gone, or do you think he's sticking around? You know, that's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really don't even know how to answer it because we're seeing some things this season in the White Sox front office and from all the talking heads that are, you know, the same but different. You know what I mean? You know, we can go back to the fact that we have not had a front office changeover midseason uh, you know, in our lifetimes. And that's kind of new. Um, but yet at the same time, we saw a hiring process that was completely rushed uh, and made an excuse of that is for, for the fact of, you know, we have to do this quickly because it's owed to the fans to not waste any time. So, you know, that kind of thing sounds the same. 
for what I expect from this organization. So, you know, the wishy-washiness there kind of leaves me guessing as to what's going on when you talk about guys like Haber being around. Um, It is strange. But at the same time, with Josh Barfield, you know, is he actually going to have the designation of assistant general manager, or are they going to find another position? Are they going to create another position for him? Are they going to give him a different title? The way I see it is I'm just happy that the skill set is coming. Um, You know, and he's coming from an organization, like you point out, uh, has brought up some young talent here recently. Uh, And as a matter of fact, you know, I'm not even watching the White Sox game tonight. I have. Oh, the, I've got it on right next to me. You're not missing it. See, I've got the Halos and uh, the Rangers on. But, uh, you know, when I first turned it on, I just saw the A on the TV and I thought, oh, maybe I'll catch some of this, this D back team. And I was like, oh, no, I had to look a little bit closer. That is not the uh, Arizona logo. <laughs> oh, Sebi Zavala's up right now. So, uh, but, you know, that was kind of my hope was I, I would be able to see some of these young kids a little bit more that they have been bringing to their system because, you know, Josh Barfield is is tied directly to these young players. So, you know, I wish I knew what was going to happen with, with Haber. I really do. Because uh, I'm with yeah. you. You would think that if the organization was fed up with Kenny and Rick and their bickering and their inability to agree on anything and, you know, Rick finding out that Jake Berger was traded by walking past Kenny Williams' office. Hey, Grim, hey thanks, thanks for, for the resub. resub. Yeah. Um, you know, all of the, all of the, the, the infighting and, and all of the, all of the, just the, the filth that we have been hearing is coming from within the organization. You would think that the guy that was directly tied to both of those guys would have been gone in that, that, you know, that hail fire of, uh, or the hailstorm of firings, but he wasn't. And there's been no news of him losing his title or graduating to another position, which is another thing this this organization is known for. Hey, you 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 suck at your job here. We're just going to elevate you beyond that point and put somebody else in your place. We haven't even heard that. So everything's a little murky right now, and I don't even know how I feel about any of it. To be completely honest with you, yeah. So I just to be honest with you, I'd rather hear your thoughts on this because I we often share a brain on a lot of these things, but. I feel like you are asking this question because you probably have something up your sleeve. Well, I mean, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, you were mentioning that are, are they going to create a, a new position for Josh Barfield? And the thing is, is that the on the website, it's li- he's listed as the assistant general manager, and then right below him is Jeremy Haber. So like, I just I I don't get it. You know, like I would I would kind of think that he was just asked to stick around and uh you know fulfilled fulfilled like the the day-to-day stuff while Getz was getting his stuff in order um but i mean i don't know for sure but you know barfield comes over from the D-backs where again he's the director of player development chris getz was the director of player development for the white Sox. the white Sox do do not have a director right. <laughs> of player development. So it is, you know, are, is Josh Barfield going to kind of take on a dual role where he's like the director of player development slash AGM? 
possibly, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, I just know that, you know, like with, you know, with the White Sox, you know, it's a, we thought, you know, they got rid of, um, 13 to four now, 14 to four. Jeez Louise. Um, you know, they, they, they get rid of, uh, um, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. And so you think that there's going to be, uh, oh boy, Cubs just lost on a routine fly ball dropped by Seiya Suzuki. Yikes. That's, well, because they were up, I think they were up like six to one at one point. And then, uh, Ronald Acuna hit a home run, uh, who's single-handedly, uh, taking me to the world series in my fantasy baseball league. Um, but, um, you know, despite getting rid of Kenny and Rick, you still see all these names of guys who were Kenny guys and guys that were Rick Hahn guys that are still filling this roster of uh, personnel, you know, that, the, 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 you know, of all the operations guys. And I'm kind of left wondering, okay, well, all these guys are still here. I think that there's going to be some sort of house cleaning. Um, but at this point of the year, when you're going to lose a hundred games, um, and it's past the trade deadline, past the minor league ses- uh, season, um, past any time where you're going to sign any kind of, uh, you know, free agent to to help a team that's you know, injury riddled, which, uh, by the way, uh, Tyler Naquin was brought up from Charlotte to replace, uh, Luis Robert. I didn't mention that earlier. So that's, that's exciting. Um, but yeah, just like the, the whole thing just kind of, it, it like just the whole way thing, everything has, has happened is just kind of, kind of strange, you know? And like, I mean, I understand that they're not going to just like, uh, you know, go scorched earth in the entire front office and just fire everybody. But no. I mean, <laughs> uh, if I mean, let me just double check here because I think he's still there. Um, oh let me look here. Uh, let's see. Goodness, fifteen to four. Uh, assistant director of player development, Ken Williams Jr. Still listed. So really, yeah, and I, he was taken out of um, the minor league operations side of things, from what I've been told, uh, a couple months ago, and he was made a uh, made the assistant of the uh, executive vice president, which now the spe- the only uh, special assistant to the executive vice president is now Todd Steverson. Which is also awesome that he's um, still on the payroll. Yeah, excuse you. <laughs> I, I, so ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I didn't bring my barf bucket to the show yeah. tonight. Like, are you kidding me? One of the most disgustingly failed hitting coaches in the history of this baseball club just keeps getting job after job somehow. I don't get it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a lot of these hires and a lot of these guys that are uh, staying around for whatever reason is just because, and I I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but maybe it's just a familiarity thing for Chris Getz as he gets, you know, in his new 
uh, job and career here as a, as a, you know, a GM and president of operations. Um, you know, there's something to be said about familiarity, uh, but at the same time, this is a miserably failed ball club from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the rush is. I, I don't understand that, you know, when Jerry Reinsdorf, of all people, the guy who usually avoids the media like the plague, is going to come out and tell us that he owes the fans to do this expediously because he, he expediously because he 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 feels like he owes it he owes it to us because you guys waited through this this rebuild. You know what? If you felt like you owed it to us, you should have done it right the first time instead of cheaping out on some of this stuff and holding your guys back. Uh, I'm sorry, and now you're going to hold us back even longer with ancillary hires and and you know inside job stuff and then try to spoon feed us this crap that you're doing it for us. I'm sorry. You are not doing anything for us. You know, this is not happening any quicker. You know, the best way to, to, to rip a bandaid off is fast. So I honestly would have said, you know what you say? Yeah, I get it. You're not fired the entire front office. I say, why not? Well, let's, if we're going to do this, let's burn it to the ground. You know, we've already sat through, the last six, seven years of a full-on rebuild that, I mean, bore next to no fruit, right? If we're going to do this again, why not do it all the way? Do it all the way. Go get some proven talent on the field. Go get some proven talent in the front office, and let's make this thing happen, man. Let's just give us something to be excited about. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just, you know. I mean, only one team can win the World Series every year, right? Exa- yeah. Uh, yeah. So, sure. uh, you know, but give me some, give me a sustained window of winning where I can actually watch exciting baseball. I not want to turn the game off by the third or fourth inning, and it's only April or May. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, anywho, these are all things I've said before. I'm not going to keep going on. Sorry, I don't want to hijack the uh, bitch fest here. <laughs> Ladder Enjoyer <laughs> says that Blake Snell is a Bulls fan and friends with Zach Levine. Yeah, and you know, um, and, you know, and Blake. Uh, Snell I is, wanted him when he was a free when he was a free agent last time. Just saying. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, and he's also he is a uh, a fellow Twitch streamer, so that's that's cool. Uh, and to close out the conversation on uh, Josh Barfield, I will also uh, bring up that his brother, uh, Jeremy Barfield, uh, who was drafted, I believe, by the Red Sox. No, not the Red Sox. The A's? I don't know. I forget who he was drafted by. Um, maybe the Blue Jays. But he was he was drafted, and um, he is a Twitch streamer. Uh, and he goes by the name of Flank Thomas. And uh, for those of you who do not know uh, Flank Thomas, um, go on YouTube and do a search on Flank Thomas, and uh, you'll see all sorts of uh, videos pop up from other streamers talking about Flank Thomas. Uh, and um, I'll just you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention. 
what happened between uh, him and him and their father uh, on stream. But uh, just go ahead and use that Google machine and check that out. Um, really, I, I have not heard anything about this. You've been gone for a couple uh, of weeks. I, w- I would have told you. Yeah. Um, so this, so this is just recent, then? No, no. This was uh, oh, oh, gotcha. Like a couple of years ago, but uh, okay. yeah. So, um, you know, I just like, you know, if we're going to talk about uh, his sons, you know, why not bring up good old Jesse while we're on the show here tonight, huh? Jesse? Jesse yeah, Barfield? Oh, yeah. yeah. What about him? Dude had a can Dad, well, didn't, you, didn't you say that you, they said they had daddy? Yes. Isn't that their dad or no? Yes, it is. Yes, it I, is. I thought. Yeah. Um, that was who the... Uh, the thing was, uh, the the issue was uh, with um, next next in line uh, to be talked about here is uh, Brian Bannister, uh, who got hired away from the Giants. Uh, he worked with Ethan Katz over in San Francisco, um, and he is the um, senior advisor to pitching. Which I found kind of a interesting wording, senior advisor to pitching. So um, I don't know. Uh, did you read the MVP machine? I did not. Okay, I've got it. If you want to borrow it, uh, it's an interesting read. Um, Brian Bannister is featured in that book, and um, you know, he senior was, relation to Floyd. He's his son. Yes, I. I Thought so. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, white checks, uh, checks multiple boxes here. You get the Kansas City Royals uh, affiliation for Chris Getz, and then you get the uh, insular, um, you know, uh, nepotism hire because of Floyd Bannister, who also had, uh, finished out his career with the Royals. Um, so... Uh, he's an analytics guy. He was one of the early adopters of analytics and of uh, high frame rate cameras um, used with, uh, you know, paired with data. And uh, he used it to resurrect, you know, pseudo resurrect his, his career. You know, ultimately, he did not have uh, the stuff to uh, to be a, you know, a 10 year major league pitcher but he did uh he did find some some help with with data and use that to um prolong his career in the major leagues and one of the things that he is uh that he did for San Fran is he more or less sets up like a uh like a pitch lab out in the outfield before the game and takes data on these guys throwing you know just throwing their their pitches in the outfield, and um, and he takes this this data and he you know takes a look at it and figures out you know like uh, you know pitch grips and all that stuff, see where the axis of the ball is and all that stuff, and um, feeds information to the pitchers to help them become the best that they can be. Even if you know you're talking about like a you know a Tanner Banks where the you know you got a, a lower fastball. Uh, you know, lower velocity fastball, you know, he'll, he'll take that, that data and he will say, this is what's going to be your out pitch. And this is where you should throw it. And this is why you should throw it. And this is what's so going basically, to be basically, 
he it's almost like having codify right in your outfield out there yep uh live and in person which fantastic i mean okay i, I can get behind this because you know as we've talked about a lot these past few years is uh the thought and the rumor that the white Sox have been behind the curve when it comes to using tech Woefully. to yes to to progress uh the uh the development of some of their players and uh you know if this is the kind of thing that can be expected from some of these hires i hate to say it because i feel like we've said this in the past with some of the moves that have been made but uh you know it sounds like a step in the right direction uh will that translate i i don't really know because again you know we were led to believe that new tech was was being trickled into the organization you know four or five years ago and more tech-minded people that, that embraced those those things were being trickled into the organization only to find out later after these things have been leaked that their you know their analytics and tech department was still among the lowest in the, in major league baseball so uh but yeah you know i'm i'm down I'm down with that. That's a great report, and I, I appreciate that info from you, Ian. Yeah, you know, like that is, um, you know, the thing is, is that when when guys go through the minor leagues and they're working with the pitching coaches down there, and uh, you know, they go to you know now we have a uh, an onboard uh, pitch lab here, which you know quite a few teams don't, so that's good. But it, it's nice that. When they, you know, it would be nice if when they get to the major leagues that they're not done improving, you know, right, right, exactly. I I would like to see that continue and for them to continue to get better. And that's what he says. One of the things that that he wants to do is he wants to stay ahead of the curve, he wants to set the curve, he doesn't want to be the person who's late to the party on this stuff. And so, you know, like. Cool. Let's see. I mean, it seems like a great hire. Um, you know, he's not going to be, you know, he's not on bench staff, you know, uh, necessarily. Right. But um, per my understanding um, in San Fran is that even though he's not uh, technically bench staff, is that he was always around and he was always looking at like uh, rep Soto numbers and looking at uh, biomechanical data to see, you know, if there's something going on with the guy's mechanics if his if his commands off you know um you know i mean it would just uh it would be nice if uh if one of these hires you know pays dividends and isn't just kind of one of those things where we go okay well you know he helped so and so but like the other 15 guys that he's dealt with don't really do anything you know it would be nice to see like everybody take a step forward, especially with what we've been watching this year. It's just been ugly. Uh, Ladder and Joyce says, uh, maybe him and Gio can stream together from the clubhouse after we sign them both in December. I don't know if I kind you know, I mean, I kind of doubt Gio comes back after what's happened here, but you never know. Um, yeah, I imagine that him and his dad both, his dad uh, being a, a pretty vocal advocate, for his son and you can't blame him uh for doing so uh and he does it with you know class and style so kudos to him for that but uh i can't imagine that you know luke 
going through what he went through, you know, during his contract talks or non-existent contract talks and, and his father saying, yeah, we'll give you a second chance. Uh, you know, even though his track record uh, as a pitcher on the South side has not been great. And is probably even worse since he left the South side, unfortunately for him, uh, I, you know, it does seem like you probably get him back fairly cheap. He hasn't but being been doing the White Sox, super hot in uh, in Cleveland. Although he, I think his last two games he's pitched pretty well. I will also mention uh, Ladder. Um, if I remember correctly, it was uh, Lucas Giolito against Blake Snell in the championship game uh, in 2020 during the uh, COVID lockdown when MLB was doing the MLB the show. Uh, one player per team tournament. I believe that was the championship game, and I think Snell beat Giolito. Uh, if I was remember. it Giolito or was it Carlos Rodon? No, it was Giolito. Uh, Carlos Rodon. I thought it was hard, Carl. No, he plays. Uh, <clears throat> he actually they play together, but uh, uh, he does most mostly Call of Duty. He did play some. Uh, oh, that's some, right. Some MLB The Show, but he was. Uh, um, Carlos right. Gilito was uh, the one single representative that I, I totally forget right. that it was on yeah. the team. And uh, yeah, Carlos and uh, his cousin Ethan would play with like uh, they played with Gio. Uh, they played with um, uh, Adam Engel. They played with uh, Dane Dunning. Um, Dan Dunong. <laughs> Dan Dunong. Uh, and then uh, also. Uh, one of our uh one of my one of my buddies who's also a uh, Twitch streamer uh Sasquatch who's uh very good at Call of Duty um he also played with them pretty often he still plays with uh Geo when Geo's on um 3.1 innings pitched five earned runs for Geo today okay so he did not pitch good today okay 6.66 ERA for the Guardians for Geo so all right, well that's cool. Um, yeah, maybe maybe he will be cheap. Um, I you know like I kind of have an idea that um, you know that somebody's going to see Geo and still throw money at him, saying we can fix that guy. Um, and I yeah, wouldn't there's be, still a lot of potential there. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if Ethan Katz says, "Hey, look, Bannister's here." You know, uh, me and him you know, did some stuff over in San Fran that, that really helped some guys resurrect their careers. It might be, you know, if if you're not getting like any crazy offers, you know, maybe White Sox can scoop them up for, you know, three years or something. And uh, we literally can fix that guy. I don't know. We'll see, you know. Uh, I mean, Katz is the guy who, you know, fixed him the first time. Um yeah, it would be nice. I mean, especially and, with uh, biomechanic stuff going on, you know, like with him actually, uh, he knows how to, you know, do uh, SQL database stuff as well. Uh, you know, him and CJ can sit there and whip up SQL searches and, uh, you know, um, feed all the information to all their databases and everything and figure out what's going on with, uh, you know, the biomechanics and the... Uh, you know, all the stats that you know, all the stats that they get back. The only thing that, that, that bugs me about that that whole conversation and biomechanics with, with Lucas Giolito is, is 
I feel like this is a guy who has changed his delivery three or four times already in his not so long major league career. Uh, that cannot be good for consistency. I, and I know that these guys are professionals and they practice at levels that most can only dream of. Uh, most people can't even imagine, you know, and the repetitiveness of, of, of those, the drills and, and the, you know, the, the side sessions and, and all these things that they do to get themselves ready for a major league season. But, uh, you know, again, I, I, you know, I'm being a pitcher in my past and, and nowhere near the level of these guys trying to say that I'm some, you know, guru or, you know, anything. I really know anything about anything, but it, it, it just seems like I think I would find it difficult to continually change my delivery and find some level of consistency. Think. Well, I mean, one thing that we do know for sure is that doing it during the season is generally oh. never good. And it <laughs> that is frowned upon. Yeah, it never works. It never seems to work for anybody, you know. And, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things. You know, here's something that's kind of been burning in my brain for uh, a little while. Okay. Uh, Alec Hansen. Drafted, you know, uh, in the second round, should have been a first-round talent, uh, drafted out of Oklahoma. Had some command problems in Oklahoma. He comes to the White Sox. The White Sox fix his mechanics. Uh, the next year, he goes out and leads the minor leagues in, st- in uh, strikeouts. Um, in the offseason, he decides to go and get stronger and build up his legs, completely loses his release point, can't throw strikes anymore, then starts losing his velocity. Sound familiar? Um, after watching that happen to Alec Hansen, I don't know. I, I, it just kind of strikes me as weird that Lucas Giolito, during the lockdown, did the exact same thing, and the exact same thing happened to him. Yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Or the, uh, what was it, the strike year. Right to to find to have yeah that's what it was it was a strike here you're right, uh, but to have that knowledge of that happening to somebody I mean intimately exact it's happening right in front of your face like that you know? it, right and you're you're on you're part of the same team and the same organization and you're watching it happen and it, and then to turn around and and say well you know what didn't work for him but it's going to work for me. Seems it seems a bit odd. I will give you that. Uh, it's just, I mean, it just struck me as weird. You know, like if you're sitting here watching this from a distance, and you know the guy, and you watch this happen, you know, like what? Why would your first thought be, you know, I really need to get some more cake? You know, <laughs> that, that'll help me. That'll help me. That that'll fix all my problems. You know, uh, watching torque videos in the off season. <laughs> shake them cakes baby yeah i you know um you know i gotta i gotta wonder you know like uh was was the wife unhappy that he that he lost all that cake and that's what that's what uh ended up happening there i mean i'm not saying i'm just saying you know um anywho uh so the third hire that was made and this is this this one for me was kind of just a, a head scratcher, you know. Um so Gene Watson is hired as the director of player personnel. 
and um, you know, longtime scout. He's you know he's been with the Royals. I think he was with the A's. It was either the A's or the Angels. I, I think maybe it was the Angels. Um, of the two teams, you know, I, I, oh, okay, I, I can give the Angels. They've they've signed some free agents. Okay. Now, how have those contracts worked out for the Angels? Terribly. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and then the Royals—they never sign free agents uh, that are like that really do anything. Um, so I don't know. I just I found that one kind of curious, and you know, of course, again, we've got this—you uh, know—got the Royals ties as. As it has to be, you know, everybody's got to have some sort of uh, Tony LaRusa, Jerry Reinsdorf connection or a Royals connection in order to get hired at this place, um, which actually come to, I didn't mention this with uh, Josh Barfield, but obviously his dad, uh, Dave Stewart, was on the Blue Jays. And there's, you know, definitely some, uh, you know, since Dave Stewart was down there, there's definitely some links as to why Josh Barfield got that job down there. Um, But, uh, you know, Gene Watson's kind of one of those things, you know, where it's like I've, you know, heard from multiple places that he's a a good guy. But when, when I hear somebody say, yeah, he's a really nice guy. You know that's that's what people say about guys that are generally not really that great at their job. Yeah, but he's a really uh, nice guy. She's got a great personality. Yeah, I mean it's like it's that, <laughs> it's that same kind of thing. You know, it's like can, can you think of any like when you think of pro player acquisition with the Royals? Do you really? I mean, is I, like I can't come up with anything that was really like one of those like mind blowing free agent signings is like everybody you know the the guys that the that the that the royals signed they always killed the white Sox, but they would hit like 230 i mean they'd hit 400 against the white Sox, but against everybody else they'd hit like 200 you know so it's not like they yeah. really ever signed anybody of any like great consequence yeah I mean, if you're if you're uh, if your end goal was to uh, just pick the the Sox killers, you did a fantastic yeah, job. They're good there, at that. Yeah, you didn't you didn't find the world beaters. You know what I mean? Like they're just no. Yeah. And I have to laugh at the at the chat here. Uh, Grimtall says Gordon Beckham said that about Chris Getz, meaning he's a you know he's a nice guy, he's a really good dude. Uh yeah, that's like one really good dude calling another really good dude good dudes. But, yeah. you know, we're we're talking about a couple of guys who were never really good at their jobs <laughs> calling each other. Oh, no, he's a great guy. He's a good dude. You know, uh, neither one of you ever lived up to expectations. So kudos. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Ladder Enjoyer says, didn't Watson have a big role in going after uh, Cole Reagan's? Or am I misremembering? And th- th- this thing, I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't, I don't know actually. Like I haven't really done a whole lot of digging into, uh, into him um, as far as like trying to uh, find stuff. But like I haven't heard anybody else talking about any great accomplishments that the man's ever had. Um, 
What I can't say is that, uh, you know, Cole Reagans, uh, he pitched really well against the White Sox a few weeks back. And uh, actually, John Rudels and I, when we went and saw the Royals against the Mets when uh, we were watching uh, old Danny Mendick in, in uh, left field, um, Cole Reagans actually pitched for Kansas City and pitched really, really well that night. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, he's he's had a, a nice uh, n- nice last, like, two months of the season. Um, so, I mean, I guess if he grabbed him, cool. I mean, I just, you know, I don't really know. I guess if – and this is one thing I had thought about doing, you know, is trying to, to deep dig uh, – do the, the, the deep dive into uh, the, the Royals minor leagues because a lot of the time you can find out – who uh, the scout is that found a, a particular guy that they drafted. Um, and I've thought about kind of like trying to do a deep dive into that and see if I could figure out exactly who, you know, he's, you know, ex- exactly who this guy has found, you know, like what's it, you know, like you, you know, uh, Kazanis with the White Sox, he's got, you know, like lefty pitchers are like generally his, like right. uh, his thing, you know, he's uh, Mark Burley. Um, and then like recently uh, Shane Murphy is another one of those guys that was undrafted left-handed guy from Arizona that, that he found. And there, there's a bunch of those guys. Um, but, you know, like everybody's always got like that one, you know, one guy that, that they found that's, you know, came out of nowhere uh, you know, his 40th round uh, draft pick that ends up becoming a a good major leaguer. And I don't know if he's got that guy. I would like to like to find out. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll find out uh, how, you know, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out once the season ends, you know, like once the World Series is over and, uh, you know, everybody starts making personnel moves. We'll see who's gone, who's not. You know, and you know, we've been told also that there will be more hires, so we'll see who else gets hired. Yeah. Blah blah woof woof. Yeah, you know, I mean the one thing about some of these hires I will say is uh you know, I wasn't really holding breath for uh what was gonna happen in the front office this offseason. But you know, as we've been speaking about here for the last forty five minutes or so. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, a handful of these guys are, are decent additions to, to the front office. I'm and, not mad uh, about any you know, of them, but I'm not mad either. I, I just don't want to put too much into it yet because we haven't seen anything from them yet. Yeah. And, you know, they might be, they might be perfect fits for these jobs. The, the, the unfortunate question I have is whether or not the organization lets them do what they are capable of. Uh, you know, and I'm sorry that I have to feel this way, but we are, I, I'm like, I'm like a, a girlfriend scorned here. You know, uh, I am gun shy about everything at this particular moment. Uh, you know, I'm not even like a girlfriend scorned. I'm I'm like a battered wife. <laughs> you know, you can tell me everything's going to be fine before you unload the change cup in the, you know, in, in the center console of your car at my face. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. <laughs> Or worse, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I hate to, and, and maybe that's a bad analogy, but, you know, um, I, I just, I don't, I can't let myself let go too much. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I have to, 
I have to embrace the suck right now. It's the only way I'm going to be able to continue being a White Sox fan. I have to admit that this is a crap hole organization. It has been for a long time, and I can't let the best of my hope take over. So I do still have hope, and I do like the moves. But I am no longer in the, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm in the, now I'm going to wait and see mode now. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. I'm sorry. And maybe that's unfair to these guys as they're walking in the door their first day on the job. But, uh, you know, it's because of your predecessors and because of the organization that you now currently work for that you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. You Now it's a prove it to me thing. You know, I have to see it before I give you any credit or accolades whatsoever. Well, I mean, I would be lying if I said that I haven't talked to several people that have been uh, that either have been or are uh, members of this organization that don't think that Chris gets is any good at his job. So, uh, you know, it's a wait and see thing. We'll see, you know, Um you know, is, are are things going to change with the way that the with the way the org operates? I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where we just wait and see. You know, like who knows? We don't have any idea whether they're going to change their philosophy in the draft room. Whether you know guys that they wanted to take were superseded by somebody else, which I've heard quite a few stories about. You know, players getting chosen by people that don't have anything to do with the draft and, uh, you know, foregoing <laughs> drafting other guys, uh, you know, <laughs> namely Alec Thomas, who we just, who was just playing against the White Sox tonight, not drafted by the White Sox because somebody else, uh, somebody's feelings were hurt over something. And, uh, because, you know, supposedly he was asking for a little bit too much money, and here he is. He's in the major leagues, and instead, you know, we we draft Steel Walker, which, I mean, technically he made it to the major leagues, bef- I believe, before Alec Thomas, but uh, he didn't stay. No, he didn't have that stickability. Yeah, and he, I mean, to be, to be honest, he shouldn't. Great baseball name. Yeah, great, great <laughs> baseball name. And, you know, uh, again, he's a really nice guy, you know. Um, but you know, like just the, the skill set wasn't like, uh, wasn't there. Right. So I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, and you know, like, and speaking of, uh, changing philosophies, you know, like what are the White Sox going to do about, uh, about their international signings? You know, it's, you know, every year you see the White Sox trading away cash and, you know, this year they traded away cash. And got two prospects from the Dodgers, and then the Dodgers went out and signed, uh, you know, this uh, Korean guy that's got like really nasty stuff. But like the thing is, is that you know they traded away a million dollars of cap, you know, international cap space. Why do you have a million dollars just sitting around? Go sign some people. You know, it's a numbers game. The more guys you get better chance you have of finding somebody that is able to take that next step even if you don't think that like you know i mean obviously take your your best you know use your best judgment 
you know, if you think the guy's going to be a scrub for the rest of his life, okay, like I get it. But if you think that there's like a little sliver of hope there that the kid could, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like his frame projects that he could get stronger and something happens, you don't know. You know, that's why you have to sign more no, guys. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, but again, do we trust the organization to be able to even identify those guys? I don't know. I well, I mean, Marco uh, Patti's you know, done. You know, he signed some pretty big, some pretty big names. Yeah, and, you I, know. I'll give you that. In the international market, the Sox have done well. That that's. I mean, I, I, granted, Marco Patti and his guys seem to have a pretty good pulse, especially on you know the Cuban market. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can say what you will. I mean, like, that's the thing, is that, again, you don't know that that's what Marco Patti wants to spend his money on. That's no, that's the thing that, right. that we don't know, you know? It could, you know, like, obviously, Luis Robert worked out, you know? Uh, you know, and d- does he want to go out and get a guy that's, like, quote-unquote, closer to Major League ready, you know, like an Oscar Colas or a Yoel Cespedes, or does he want to go out and sign more young guys? I mean, I will say that, like, um, there, there are some guys that, you know, like uh, Ronnie Hernandez, catcher from Venezuela, that, like, uh, you know, people are stoked on. You know, uh, a lot of people are saying that he's got, you know, projectability and he, he looks good and everything. You know, like, is that what Marco Patti would rather do? Or does he want to sign, you know... 22 year old you know 23 year old guys instead like i i i genuinely don't know like what like you can't know that's that's part of the problem with the white Sox is that you don't know whether it's this person making this decision or whether it's this person making the decision like what the where the directives are coming from you don't know if like you know, uh, he's having a conversation with Rick Hahn in his office, and as soon as he leaves, Kenny Williams like, hey, uh, Marco, come over here and talk to me over here in the hallway. And he walks around the corner into the stairwell and then starts telling him something different. And because he's the vice president, you know, he's going to be like, all right, well, you're the vice president, so I guess I'll listen to you. I mean, it's like, who knows? You know, with the way yeah, those we, yeah, two right. guys are arguing, you're like, I have no idea. Nobody can really have, you know, 100% clarity on what's going on there, and you don't know who to blame, and that's always been a problem. So I guess we'll see, you know? I mean, he was just named International Scout of the Year. So maybe he does know what he's doing. I don't know, but we're about to find out. If he gets let go, then obviously (laughs) they don't have any faith in him. So we'll see what happens. So, Oh, wouldn't that be something? International Scout of the Year. They fired his ass. What? (laughs) <laughs> out of here, pal. Um, what was that like? You're too uh, good at your job. Ricky Renteria, second in the year in manager uh, manager of the year voting. You're fired. See, uh, no, nah, you were just a bridge. <laughs> oh, you just a so rebuild ridiculous. manager. Yeah. Get out of here. Take a hike. Uh, Rockies about to lose their hundredth game. Oh, how do you like that? Uh, I think Batista, Batista was a great get. Yeah, no ladder enjoyer. I, I, hundred percent. Aldrin Batista is awesome. And for, for all I know, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. The other guy, uh, Mercado, I believe. Is uh, is that his name? Is that? I think that's his name. Uh, the yeah, other, it sounds great. Yeah, I can't remember what the guy's name is. But, uh, the, you know, the other guy, we haven't seen him. He only pitched in the uh, in the complex league. Uh, yeah, Maximo Acosta. There you go. Um, Acosta. Yeah, Acosta. Um, Thanks for that poll. I don't know if, Ladder. you know, 
you, you know, like I, I've heard that he's got really great stuff. Haven't seen him pitch yet. So, like, that's generally one of those things where until I see him get a little bit of time, you know, like in front of my eyeballs, I generally don't talk about guys. But I've heard that he's got some some really nasty stuff. So we'll see. Um, well, yeah, how can you trust? I mean, you really can't trust anything you hear from this organization. I can't trust you, what, what their scouts and what their what their talking heads are telling you is coming from you. I, you know, I said it when Beef Loaf was on the show. I believe you watch more minor league baseball than our scouting and and development department does. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's like when I see, you know, like when I get these reports from like, uh, you know, uh, you know, MLB Pipeline or from uh, uh, what's his what's his name. Uh, Keith Law, you know, like I hear these things about guys and they're like, yeah, I saw him pitch one inning down in uh, in Arizona. And I'm like, OK, so because you saw him for one one inning or one game when you were down in Arizona, like that's what I'm going to base my entire opinion on. Like, I just I just don't personally I don't do that. It drives me nuts. No, you can't. Yeah, it's like I, I and like thing is, when I read reports from all these national guys talking about our guys in our system, you know, and I've watched them play like 90 plus games in a season. And they're like, yeah, this guy can't do this and he can't do that, but he's got, he's really good at this. And I'm like, that's not right. So I, like, I, I generally <laughs> kind of just brush uh, those things no. off. Yeah. That's, I mean, I like, I like, I like getting the no. rankings. I like getting, you know, like uh Colson Montgomery uh, you know, like his number going up in the MLB top uh, 100. Like, I, I like that. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Like, oh, so-and-so did. No. Yeah. Uh, no. All no. right. So, uh, speaking <laughs> of, um, last thing on the uh, the White Sox front office. Uh, did you happen to catch the uh, the article from uh, you know uh, the interview of uh, David Wilder, the former international scout? Did you happen to read that? I did not. A uh, little caught a little snippets here and there on the old uh, X machine, but uh, you know I did not catch the full story. Yeah, guy guy who gets uh, arrested for stealing money. And uh, taking kickbacks and stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. The problem is, is that if I knew the guy, I wouldn't trust him farther than I could throw him. Right. And, but the thing is, is that because some of the stuff that he says is so believable, it, it kind of makes it. It kind of makes it hard, you know, to say, "Well, you're a criminal," so I don't trust you because. I know, uh, you know, I've seen how this this organization works, so I kind of don't. I'll forward you the I'll forward you the article, but um, I just wanted to see if you had if you had read it yet or not. No, I mean, I like I said, I kind of caught something. I, I saw like a single tweet on Twitter actually, and I don't remember who it was from, but somebody brought something up about that, and uh, you know, just another one of those White Sox things. You know what I mean? Like you look at that and you go, "Are you kidding me?" Yep. Come on, man! But yeah, I'll have to read into that. But it the sounds thing is, interesting. It doesn't seem like it's that far out of line from what I would expect. So, um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, 
So I'm just going to go run through uh, some things here real quick for the uh, the MILB wrap-up just because the season's over. And I like I don't want to delve too far into prospects or whatever because I don't want to stretch this thing out. We've already been going for like an hour and ten, so I don't, I don't want to yeah run no. this thing out too long. But um, right, I just right. want you to see that – I want you to tell me if you see a common thread here. Uh, the Charlotte Knights – Managed to avoid uh, losing a hundred games. Uh, they finished fifty-three and ninety-six. Uh, luckily, you know uh, when they lost their ninety-six game, uh, there was only one game left. So I, I they didn't have a chance to lose a hundred. So that's nice. Um, in the second half, though, they went eighteen and fifty-six. Wow, that is that is that's rough. And I will say though, uh, yeah. you know, towards the end of the year, you know, when they got uh, a you know some influx of talent after July, like uh, Xavier Fernandez came up, uh, Yolki Cespedes came up, um, Popeye, and yeah, I mean Popeye was the last. Yeah, I mean he wasn't until the end there. Um, and Yolki Cespedes yeah, and was get... the last three weeks because. Uh, um, <laughs> Clint Frazier dislocated his ankle, um, so they right. brought him up. Then um, you get out or get sent down. Yeah, from I mean, the MLB there, club. There, yeah, exactly. There, there was a there was a couple of things that kind of like aided them in the last month to be able to win, <sighs> you know, win a few games. But like there was a there was a point where I think in the second half they were like six and like thirty five or something like that. So they yeah, they won yeah, quite a bit more games. Uh, towards the the last uh, month and a half of of the season, but uh, yeah, fifty three and ninety six. Uh, no pitching, as it turns out, having no starting pitching is detrimental to winning baseball games. Shocker. Hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was awesome. Uh, no starting pitching and uh, a grossly aging outfield. Yeah, that that whole situation this year was it was really weird. Oh, that roster was just kind of strange. And like, I, I know, it like, was a ridiculous roster. I kind of, you know, but the thing was is that like I, I kind of understood it though because well, it was early like, in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, like the thing was is that no no outfielders really pushed it to say, hey, we deserve to to get promoted. You know, like Miesis had a had a okay year at best you all his first Cespedes, half was better than his second half no his first half was terrible you oh, i'm sorry first half was better uh right. walked a ton but he hit like 220 in double a and then he came up to uh he came up to charlotte and then he hit like i don't know like 375 or something like that for the last three weeks yeah well season. wasn't that thing that, wasn't that the thing that they said they were working on down in double a though his pitch selection, so they were they were thrilled that he was walking more, but the power numbers went away with it. Yeah, they and, did. And but the, the thing was, is that yeah, he so walked more, but he didn't get any hits. That was right. part of the other problem. It's like <laughs> you know, if you're gonna walk more, you know, like at least like when you're not striking out, try and get a hit every once in a while, and it just like well, and that's the thing. Happened. It's it's always been talked about that a guy that walks more is going to see better pitches, right? And then you don't normally see a walk rate go up 
as dramatically as his did and watch a batting average drop as dramatically as his did. And that's, that is a rare, rare occasion. You know, you're usually going to see a lot better pitches if the more often you walk. And yeah. it, it was a conundrum all of its own. Yeah, and his batting average goes from like 265 uh, in 2022 <laughs> to like 205. Right. This year in the in the same league. It's like uh, it's like what's going on here? So like I understood why they kept on picking up all these old outfielders. You know, like uh the Frazier and the Victor Reyes and uh t- you know, they traded Tyler Trace you know, Thompson. traded for Tyler Naquin for cash. Uh yeah, the Trace Thompson acquisition on that Lance Lynn deal. Um you know, like I, I got yeah. it because none of them, none of them, like really sh- showed out and said, "Hey, I deserve a look." You know, and like just none of them really hit all that well. And you know, you know, in Double A, that can you know the first half. Um, let's look. I'm going to look at here at the uh, the first half season uh, for the Barons. In the first half, they were 25 and 44. Um, and then in the second half. They were twenty six and forty three. So I mean, I guess they literally did the exact same thing in both halves. So um, overall, you know, they end up finishing in last place, fifty one and eighty seven. Um, and you know, I will say that uh, the pitching they had some arms in Double A um, that were good right off the bat. Uh, but the problem was is that you had that super tack ball, which yeah, nobody like sc- screwed up like their command, and uh, especially with uh, you know Matt Thompson and Christian Mena who are throwing curveballs that are nasty. It's tough, you know. Yeah, and Christian Mena, I mean, the, the guy had a he had a he just looked fantastic for the better part of the season. Second and, uh, second half anyway, like the first half, like he was hit or yeah, miss. Yeah, well, like, everybody kind of struggled. Yeah. The, the entire league struggled the first half, though, as, as far as pitching goes. That wasn't just a a Barons thing, you know what I mean? It was. I won't say okay. Overall, I see you shaking your head. Overall, the numbers were down, yes, but right. other teams did less bad than than the Barons did. Well. You know, just throwing that out there. And it also, it also doesn't help a little bit here. No, but, yeah. You know, and, yeah, you know right. like I, yeah, fine. But like, the thing is, is that, you know, like, I don't want to give anybody false hope either, you know, but well, okay. Let's, all right. <laughs> let's, let's throw this, uh, you know, we'll throw this out there that Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos were both injured for the, you know, like the entire first half of the year. So yeah, you know, I thought, I thought Colson Montgomery died. For a while there, we didn't hear nothing about him. Yeah, he was. Forever. Yeah, he was gone for a long time. And like, and you know, so you know, there was there was a lot of, uh, you know, when you take those two guys out of a lineup, you know, so you're the guys are going to see less quality pitches if they're not afraid of anybody taking advantage of their shortcomings. You know, so pitchers are more able to kind of play play with their food if you know what i'm saying you know like they don't have to come right at you they can get you to go chasing especially if you're more prone to go chasing at stuff you know or you guys don't have you know or the roster's not uh you know if you're not worried about you know the team getting a timely hit then you don't have to come right at them you know 
in all at bats. If there's a guy that you think that can hurt you, fine. Kind pitch of to the next guy. Pitch around him. Yep. Dangle that dangle that hook and see if you get him to bite. And if you don't, oh well. Yep. No harm, no foul. All right. So uh then moving to uh Winston Salem for the year. They finished sixty and sixty six, six games below five hundred. Uh they are in fifth out of six six uh in the uh south division of the Southern Atlantic League. South Atlantic League. Um I think I'm finding this uh this trend here. Maybe huh? you were asking me to find, but go you know, please continue. Yeah, so in the first half, they were <laughs> thirty four and twenty nine and in second place. And then in the second half, they are twenty six and thirty seven in fourth place. But overall, over the entire year, they end up in fifth place. Um, you know, the pitching kind of kind of wore down at the end uh, of some of those guys, like uh, Cole Seamus in particular. Like he started off really good, and uh, in the second half, like his his numbers kind of took a dip. And then I don't know for sure. Uh, but I think I think Tommy John is is possibly what happened there, but I don't know for sure. And of course, you know, with it being the White Sox, nobody's made any uh, official uh, statements on what's going on with him. Uh, see if I can do a little bit of digging here and see if I can find out what happened. But um, yeah, well, and it, you know, it's it's not shocking that uh, pitching kind of seemed to fall off in the second half, just because uh, you know. Especially uh, in the A level ball clubs, uh, some of those guys were whipped like horses. Yeah, you know, there was a, there was there was a couple of guys that were getting used. Yeah, quite a bit. Also, first full season for some of these guys, you know. So right, it, like when right. you guys haven't seen that kind of you know workload. Yeah, when you're when you're in for like 120 games, you know, in for a 120 game season, like most of these guys, none of them have. None of them have done that. Yeah, you know? these so, guys are coming out of high school and college where they play half that. You know. Yep. So uh, yeah, you know, long season, 126 games they played this year. So um, long season for them. Um, and you know, like like I've like I've said, you know, individual successes. There's been a lot of stuff that's that's gone right. Um, you know, Terrell Tatum was taken out of that lineup. Uh, you know, in like June, I think, and. Uh, you know, he was kind of like one of those, he was like one of the guys that really um, kind of propelled that offense, you know, with what, I mean, he led the league in walks, uh, led the league in stolen bases. And uh, when he was taken out of the lineup, not as, not, you know, there wasn't as much, uh, not as much action, not, you know, the pitchers not focusing on guys on the base paths, um, you know, and, uh, Chapay started off really, really well, and then he hurt his hand, and then he came back oh, from that. Chappie, Chappie. Yeah, and then he, uh, you know, he came back from the hand, and he started to hit again, and then, uh, and then it seemed like everybody, you know, like seemed like there was some tape on him, and they started to find holes in his swing, and it took him like two months to figure, you know, to make the adjustment, and he started hitting again later on in the year, but it, you know, at that point. You know the record was kind of shot, and you know they got the bump with uh, Brooks Baldwin and Bryce Willits, and uh, Timelko got brought up there. You know, uh, after you know after June, 
Um, so they got like some offensive help. Um, but then some of the offense, you know, then Elko got bumped to double A, so they lost that bat in the lineup. And, I, you know, like just. Speaking of Tim Elko and, you know, fantastic season to him. Kudos mm. guy. Just he just does, does it all. But uh, I have to ask, is it just me or does he look like he's 35 years old? I'm not talking yeah. about body or the way he moves. Just, you know, it's the mustache, man. The, the baseball cards. Yeah, that that caterpillar he's got going on. I don't know. Just, it adds like 15 years to us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he kind of, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a nice mustache on him, you know? So, uh, he does. Um, yeah, so, uh, moving along to the, uh, the last one here, uh, finishing at 67 and 64, the only team to finish above 500 for the White Sox organization, the Kannapolis Cannonballers. Um, that comes on the back of a ton of pitching. Um, so, uh, Mason Adams started the season with the cannonballers, uh, first full season, uh, made, I believe he made his, he might've made a start last year, but I can't remember if he did or not. So I think his first start with the cannonballers, I believe was in April. Um, he got bumped to the dash and then got bumped to Birmingham. So he made it. So obviously he was good. Uh, and he only made like, I think like five starts with Birmingham and uh, maybe like six or seven with the dash. So, I mean, like he wasn't there for, for a very long time. Um, but then you got like uh, Connor McCullough who threw a no hitter in Kannapolis. Uh, and then he got bumped to Winston. I mean, basically like, Kannapolis had some nice pitching. So um, they, they rode on the back of the pitching, and uh, they had good offense with Tim Elko there to start the year. Uh, also a, a three-level, uh, a member of the three-level uh, club. And, um, you know, like they had a bunch of promotions as well, but uh, they did so well, you know, during that early part of the season. They had a lull, and then they picked it back up. And, you know, with uh, and got a little bit of an infusion with uh, some of the college guys that just got drafted. So they kind of went on a little bit of a, you know, mini heater later on in the season. So that's your one team in the entire organization that finished above 500. So the common thread here is that uh, culture, winning culture. So we'll see what happens here with the. Uh, yeah. With the assignments, you know, like maybe it'll come out, I'll, I'll come along, I think about it some more. I mean, and, here's uh, that word again, though. I know, I had to bring it up. Um, <laughs> I think it, we'll have to go through this and figure out like where guys are going to end up to start next year and whatever. And uh, oh, you know, that's that's the fun part of the offseason is some of those prognostications that you know I like to call educated guesses, and you know, we're usually pretty close on those pseudo educated, uh, yeah. All right, so uh, last uh, you thing. You know, anything's possible with this organization, too. That's throwing a curveball. Yeah, well, let's hope that uh, things go as I was, th- you know, at least mostly as I was thinking. They don't uh, hamstring guys or give, like, way too aggressive of uh, signings. We'll see, though. Um, all right, Arizona Fall League. White Sox get eight players in the Arizona Fall League. Um Two starting pitchers, three relief pitchers, two infielders, and an outfielder. 
Uh, Colson Montgomery um, just tweeted today that he just uh, just landed in Arizona to get there and start going to work. Uh, Nikki Delmonico will be the White Sox representative in the coaching staff. Um, so that's cool. Um, but uh, the two starting pitchers are Yosimar Cousin, who was the late addition to the Winston-Salem Dash uh, from Cuba, um, who had some who had some nice starts uh, for Winston-Salem, um, and uh, you know, like he had he had some uh, some control issues here and there, but uh, he's got some nice breaking breaking pitches and his fastball is pretty good, uh, especially when playing off of those breaking balls in his changeup. So that should be interesting to see, uh, down there. Uh, the other starting pitcher, Jake Eater. So we get, you know, some nice view. We'll get to see what Jake Eater can do down there. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot of top prospects down there. Uh, from from different clubs, so he'll be facing some pretty decent uh, some pretty decent hitting uh, from some of these teams. And uh, I know that yeah, they... but we well, I was just gonna say we we will finally get a little bit more of a taste from him. I mean, obviously we've we've seen some, but we're gonna get a bigger taste of him because he is coming off of that injury, you know, in uh, long rehab, in uh, you know top prospect at one point or not yeah and he uh i need to see more yeah they sent him to uh they sent him to arizona and uh they they found some uh mechanical issues with him uh before the end of the season so they sent him to uh, arizona to you know work through some of those mechanical issues so you know hopefully that uh that sorted it out uh your relief pitchers uh one of the other guys that uh, we got in that uh, Dodgers trade, Jordan Leisure, is going to be there. Uh, he of the 98-mile-an-hour fastball, uh, nasty slider. Uh, and Yeah, looking forward to seeing more of him. And now a curveball. So that's that's an interesting development. It's a, it's a pretty decent curveball as well, so that's nice. Um, we also get to see uh, Frazier Ellard, who was injured for a lot of the year. He's the guy who... Uh, as my favorite uh, pre-inning ritual where he throws the rosin bag down really hard on the mound. Makes me laugh every yeah. time. Hilarious. Like he's angry. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, it is pretty good. It's good stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we also get uh, Addison Coffee, um, who also nasty, nasty stuff. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see what he does. Uh you know he uh, he got brought up to uh, Birmingham. Uh, I don't. Th- he might have even he might even be a, a member of the three levels club. Now that I think of it, let me take a look. See here, real quick. Is he a member of the three levels? Oh no, only two levels this year. He did uh, advanced A and double A. I couldn't remember if he had started in Canny just for like a, a an appearance or two, but that is a negative. Uh, but he's got really nasty breaking pitches. Got a nice fastball. Um, lots of carry on the fastball. I'm excited for him. Like, you know, somebody asked me, like, who are guys that don't get nearly enough hype? Uh, Wilfred Varis was my number one answer, but uh, Tristan Stivers and Addison Coffey are two of the other guys that I had uh, mentioned in that response to that tweet. So we got five pitchers, so that's cool. Um, the infielders, obviously the uh, the top prospect, 
ranked in uh, the entire league. Colson Montgomery is shortstop for your Glendale Desert Dogs. Uh, and Brian Ramos also making an appearance. You know, we talked about earlier that both of those guys missed a ton of time. So, you know, we get we get a couple of, you know, like about a month and a week. And both of them play the same primary position. No, it's third base and second base, or a third base and shortstop. So, so we should be. <coughs> Wasn't Ramos drafted as a shortstop? I don't think so. I thought he was third base. No. I thought he was drafted as that. Well, I mean, he's a international signing, so he'd be. Uh, oh, I'm, a, yeah, right. He was. Well, I guess he was brought into the club. As yeah, shortstop, I thought I was it mistaken. was as a third baseman, but I could I could be wrong on that. Um, I mean, there's a ton of guys that have moved from shortstop to third base, so. I w- you know wouldn't surprise me if that was originally what he was what he was uh, signed in as, and then uh, the outfielder is uh, Jacob Burke, who uh, started off the season with a what a fifty two game on base uh, on base streak um, in between uh, Kannapolis and Winston Salem. That was uh, you know he missed like the first three weeks or a month of the season or whatever, and then went on a fifty two game on base streak um and guy plays you know plays center field like his hair's on fire luckily it's not yeah big fan of him beautiful hair um so um really looking forward to the uh you know to be be able to watch these guys some more and uh see them in a different scenario you know not seeing them tied to the white Sox per se you know hopefully uh with you know, being with some of these other guys that they can get out there and get like a, you know, hopefully, hopefully get some of that winning stuff going on, you know, that winning stuff. Um, <laughs> what is that again? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some other, you know, there's some pretty other, uh, some, some good prospects from uh, some of the other teams that are going to be there. Uh, the top prospect for the Mets, uh, Kevin Parada. He's their number one prospect catcher. So um I don't know, Brian Bonacci. I mean there's there there are some some decent players coming from the other teams. So, you know, hopefully it's a pretty decent roster and they can uh have some fun and hopefully we get to see them on MLB network for the uh the fall league championship game. That would be nice. Sure would be. Um, Go dogs. You got anything uh got anything else for this week? Uh, I mean, there was one thing I wanted to touch on that we've kind of talked about in the past, but, uh, I just wanted to ask you if you had an opportunity to see, uh, the little short, quick, uh, YouTube video that beef Loaf put out the other day. Oh yeah. The TA, about the six TA and contract? Half. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I watched that as well too. Uh, I feel like he made some pretty valid points and I wanted to kind of pick your brain and see what your thoughts were on the uh the dive that he did you know into not just Tim Anderson but uh you know anybody that fit into his category you know guys that were uh coming up guys that fell into a like a 1.5 or or worse situation going into their you know 30s or whatever it was I don't remember the exact query that he pulled up there but yeah uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that whole situation and 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 what 
it looked like for a shortstop on an expiring contract the following season, I think is what it was. A shortstop with an expiring contract after a one negative 1.5 war season or worse. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I'm just saying. It's not like we didn't talk about trading him last year before the before the trade deadline. Right. Last year. Right. When he was playing well, we talked about trading right. him. Right. He's still here. And now we're talking about picking up a $14 million option. So because it, because it's cheap in cheap compared to what? Though is, right. is in my respect, question. In respect you know? to other shortstops, but does the production <laughs> add up to that fourteen million dollars? And at this point, I'd have to say no. Do you know and now he's turning the corner on thirty. He's four exactly. He's fourteen. He's going to be thirty-one starting next year. I'm almost positive. I think he is already thirty. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So, you know, like players, you know, now that steroids are banned. Um, players don't generally get better after they turn 30, especially ones that rely on speed, you know, and on, and let's also throw this out there on BABIP, you know, like guys that, that, that rely on things like that generally as they age, don't get better. And you're going to sign him for 14 million when you could have Jose Rodriguez play short you could have uh, Lenny and Sosa play short. I, I know that like a lot of people are are down on Lenny and Sosa because of the numbers he's put up, but I mean, we've gone over this a hundred times that it generally takes him s- some significant time to get going. But when he does, he starts to hit. Now, I'm not saying that right. it's hundred percent that it's going to happen. And it's it's not just you know uh, there's not a number that you can put on plate appearances. It's got to be like consecutive games played. Yeah, exactly. he needs that consistency. Yep. So, yeah. So you could have one of those guys play for $750,000 for the year. Or you could sign Tim Anderson and pray that somehow he manages to bounce back after a year and a half of bad play, bad defensive play all the time. He's got good range, but his his arm is, you know, his throws are always wonky donkey all over the place, you know? So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and my thoughts. Yeah. My thought on this is, is, is basically it probably where you were going, but you know, it's pretty obvious to me that this white Sox team is not going to fix itself over the off season. And people will say, and, and, and beef Loaf brought this up in that video that, you know, this year's shortstop free agent market is a fairly weak one. Uh, you know, there's a couple of names out there, but none of them are really jump off the page kind of guys that are going to do anything for your ball club to put you over the top, especially if you're the White Sox where you've got just hole on top of hole to fill. Uh, my thought is, is why? Why spend $14 million on them? Let them go. If somebody's willing to throw out some money at them and, and get them a contract, give them his million dollars, part ways with them. Because he's not going to be the guy who is going to get this ball club into the playoffs next year. That's what I'm saying. Is that this team's not so, competing next year? So no, why they're not are, competing. Like, why are we going to spend 14 million dollars on a guy who does not play good defense and hasn't hit in a year and a half? 
Right. And your only hope is, is that, okay, maybe if we do sign him and, and, and he comes here, your only hope is first two and a half, three months of the season, he shows out and maybe you can trade him to a contender and get something in return. But, that, you know, after what we've seen the last year and a half, two years, that's a pretty big hope. You know, we're, we're hanging our hat on hopes and dreams again in, in that scenario. And I'm honestly tired of that. Yeah. And like my other, the other thing here is that, you know, they were able to trade some of the other guys, you know, the guys that they were talking about clearing house with. How do we know that just nobody wanted to take Tim Anderson because he was playing right. so he, bad and that's why they couldn't trade him, but he's a, but he's a problem, you know, right. I don't, I don't I mean, know. you know, that club option or, you know, he, I mean, he, you could have looked at it like with the $1 million buyout. He was one of those guys on an expiring contract. Could you know, we, you yep. can make that argument. Yep. And it, when making that argument, why wasn't he dealt? Well, because you weren't going to get what you felt like was any sort of value, if anything at all, because there was probably nobody that wanted him. That's my he's thing. last in in the league in starting shortstops in DRS with a negative sixteen. Yeah, so brutal. And I yeah. think he might be seventeen now after uh, yesterday's game. Yeah. So uh, he's so tonight. He's on- he missed the bag by a by a foot on on a double play attempt that should have never even been attempt. You know how we were talking before about. Um, you know, not not only his his DRS, but uh, flashback to last year and to spring training this year, how everybody was so hyped to get rid of Larry Garcia. <laughs> Larry Garcia last year had a, I believe, a thirty six WRC plus. Mm. Now Tim Anderson, uh, last time I checked, which I will admit has been like a week or two. Uh, last I checked, he had a 63 WRC plus. The difference, the main difference here being that uh, he had a slight, I believe he had a slightly higher average, but uh, Larry did, had a slightly higher average for most, uh, well, uh, roughly, roughly around the same. Uh, he yeah. just didn't have as many, you know, like his, his weighted runs weren't as high. But he had a plus one DRS. And he's not. He was not good on defense. He was bad on defense, but he was a plus one. Tim Anderson is like negative sixteen or negative seventeen. That's terrible. I mean, he's just giving away runs. Yeah. I mean, what? Like, what? Yeah. Seriously, what's the motivation to keep him? Just, I'm just saying. Uh, there isn't one, honestly. I and and I know there's going to be a lot of folks out there to say, yeah, but he's cheap. And the fourteen you know, million the dollars market, is not cheap. It's not cheap for if you're going to suck. It, it's cheap if you're getting Tim Anderson of 2019, 2020, even you know parts of twenty one. But what we've seen in in most of twenty two and twenty three, that's not cheap. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there as my last thought on this. Uh, Eric Gonzalez, who's in Charlotte. Could give you a 63 WRC plus and get you a positive DRS at shortstop next year. I think Lenny Sosa can do the same. Yeah. I'm just saying there are plenty of people that could give you the same production that you've gotten out of Tim Anderson with better defense. For a tenth or less of the money. Will help your pitching, which they're going to need. 
Um, and you know, you might get a, you might get a 75 or 80 WRC plus, you know, out of an Eric Gonzalez, you might get even above a hundred from somebody like Lenny and Sosa or Jose, you know, Jose Rodriguez, I would hope, you know, but, uh, you'll never know until you try and paying Tim Anderson $14 million with the production that they've got does not seem like a, a wise idea. Just my, just my two cents. Yeah. I, Okay, I, and I agree. I just, you know, couldn't let that go after saying that. And we are in that last week of the season. I'm sure this will be a hot topic of discussion for the better part of the off season. But I figured I would throw it out there now because I saw that video just in the last few days. Here. Yeah, I watched. I watched it as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, like we have no idea what the heck's going to happen this off season. So it's. I mean, I I will say that like wouldn't necessarily say I'm excited, but I'm kind of excited because it's like maybe there'll be something new. Maybe right. we That's won't exactly be so what I was inept, getting at. You know? Right. That's exactly know. what I was getting at earlier in the show is, I, you know, I won't call it a complete renewed sense of hope, but there's a sense of relief that this season is over and there is some hope that because there are some new faces, maybe we'll see some new ideas and some new philosophies make their way into this ball club. And I'm going to use that word again. There's a shift in, in culture. Culture. So, you yep. know, it's, it's all I got, man. Yep. Uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. You can find our uh, uh, written content, uh, also this podcast. Um, you can also find this podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find this stream on YouTube. Um, or you can come here and watch it, uh, live, uh, as well on twitch.tv slash white Sox daily. Um, also search for us on YouTube and on Facebook, uh, white Sox daily, and you'll find our pages there. Uh, some of the stuff is some of the highlights and things are, are on there. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's good having you back, Danny. And, uh, uh it's good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, you know, next week it'll be the, uh, the, uh, you know, having a uh, a funeral for the 2023 White Sox. Um, thankfully, yeah, we uh, can finally put that one to bed. Oh, can't wait! Um, I've been waiting for this season to be over for like three and a half months. Um, oh, you're not the only one, bro. Yeah, uh, my name is Ian Eskridge uh, at i Eskridge on the Twitters. Uh, or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Danny Miller, my co-host, uh, at Danny Miller WSD. Um, we will be on next week, probably, uh, I'm guessing, probably on Monday, uh, back to normal. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging out in the chat. And uh, thanks for watching stream. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we will catch up with you next week. You have a great night, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.